Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Well, I'm glad y'all are here as we wrap up this series. Um, really important stuff for all of us, and I'll, I'll share maybe a little more about that in just a moment. I do want to just ask your help. Uh, not next Sunday, Mother's Day, but the following Sunday, we're going to begin a series called Unstuck. And we want to hear what is it that makes, leaves you feeling stuck in your life, in, in your relationships or your career or whatever the case may be. Uh, and, and we have a place on the website, on our Find It page, where you can go and give us information uh, give us something, because we haven't, we haven't determined what the, the, the topics of the series are going to be yet. We want to hear from you. We want you to help us set the, 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 the messages. So please do that today uh, on our website. You'll, you'll help us greatly. Um, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I wasn't. And uh, Robert Sherrill was up here, and, and he, he told you that uh, I had been... Uh, taking part, my wife and I, in our daughter's wedding the day before. Now, I wasn't sleeping last Sunday morning. I think he's, he intimated that maybe that's what I was doing. Uh, I, I wasn't doing that. But uh, I had the privilege and, and joy of not only escorting my daughter down the, the aisle, but uh, kind of freaky, I, I also performed her wedding to Patrick. And uh, here, here's a slide of them from that, that day. And I'm, I'm just really excited. I, I wasn't sure, quite honestly, if I was going to be able to pull it off. You know, um, as Catherine and I, the, before the start of the service, we're kind of off to the side, m- mom and, I mean, uh, uh, Catherine and dad, and we're standing there before we kind of come into the entry to go down the aisle, and we're talking, and I start getting a little misty-eyed at one point, you know, and she looks at me, and she says, stop. You can't do that because she said, or, oh, so I'm going to start tearing up and then mess up this makeup. And so heaven help us, we don't want to do that. So I had to hold it in. And it, it wasn't the easiest thing I did. I, you know, I, I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to pull it off. I had another pastor there who could help if, if need be. But I, it, it went pretty well. It went pretty well. Escort her down, do some of the things until we got to the, to the part where after the vows, I said, it was time for me to say, and now I pronounce you. And man, I, that word pronounce, I really had a hard time getting that word out. I just kind of, I could feel the quiver going on inside. But, but I did it. I didn't choke up. And I somehow got through it. And uh, uh, very grateful for that. I'm, I'm grateful for my own marriage and my own wife. We'll be married uh, 31 years this June. And so that was a slightly younger me. Uh, gained a few pounds since then. I don't think I could get into that tux if I had to. But um, you, you might imagine, of course, I've had weddings, I've had marriage on my mind, and maybe that was behind this series. But as, as Robert Sherrill, Mike Lively, and I got together to, to look at this, this wasn't really the reason for the series, nor is the series exclusively about marriage, because a lot of what we have said applies to all relationships, and that will be true again today. And here's the thing, anytime you and I can allow God and his word, the Bible, to help us with our relationships, to live them the way he intended us to live them, 
Everyone is better off. We're better off. Those around us in whom we are in a relationship are better off. Those we encounter are better off. And we believe God led us to offer this series in order to help many of us in here strengthen and find healing in our marriages and in our relationships. Because, you know, the world around us loves to talk about how marriages are really struggling. And, and there's, there's certainly, there's so many more divorces than anyone would want. And, and yet the data tells us, interestingly, that, that couples in which the man and the woman are both very, very active in, com- in their faith and committed to Jesus Christ personally and, and live that out on a daily basis have much, much, much lower divorce rates than the, the community as a whole. And, and when I say active, I don't just mean couples who come to church once a month and, then, and talk about it, you know, maybe one other time a month. I'm talking about people who, who seek to actively live out their faith in Jesus Christ every day, who spend time with God every day, who are active in their church all the time. There's a real striking difference between people who kind of just nominally coast along in their Christian faith and, and their marriage, and those who are deeply committed and find great joy and, and longevity in their marriage. When Jesus Christ is at the center of any person's life, as, as Mike Lively talked about last week, then it changes their whole understanding of marriage and of relationships. We, we require here at Gateway that any couple married by a Gateway pastor has to go through premarital counseling because our, our goal isn't just a good wedding. It is a godly marriage. And anytime I'm doing premarital counseling, I always talk about two ways of looking at a marriage as either a contract or as a covenant. Contract, covenant. Now, contract, we kind of we basically understand it's a simple agreement between two parties. And 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 what happens when one party fails to live up to their end of the bargain to meet the expectations laid out before them? It's null and void. It's ended. And many marriages in our country today are, for, for, for all practical purposes, contracts. They are operating on the premise that it's all about me. It's all about what I get out of it, meeting my needs, my desires. How does it fulfill me? It's, it's focused really on myself it's kind of a consumer mindset, you know? I'm, I'm paying or I'm seeking something for my good. And when that marriage, or, or any relationship for that matter, fails to meet then my needs, my desires, the person feels justified to get out of it, to leave it, to break. They believe the contract has already been broken, and so it's okay to step back. And for some of you this morning, that all seems normal. And, and, and it seems like, well, that just makes sense. That's the way life ought to be. But I want to suggest to you this morning that that is not how God intended life to work. And while that may not make a lot of sense, I'm hoping what we do this morning will help to some degree, but it may be something you need to keep thinking about and praying and reading about over time. But I hope you'll stay with me. The the picture that God paints for us in the Bible is not of a contract, but a covenant. 
And we, we maybe we use that word sometimes, but, but it may not be so clear to us. Yet the Bible shows God making covenants with his people. And the essence of these covenants is a committed relationship, a committed relationship. The, the Lord God, in a number of places in the Bible, says essentially, I will walk among you and I will be your God and you shall be my people. I was, as I was reading this past week, uh, one, a scholar named John Murray said that, talking biblically about a covenant, he said the essence of the covenant is the promise of unreserved fidelity, of whole-souled commitment. And over and over again, God made and, and renewed his covenant with humanity as we go through the Old Testament. And the, and the picture through the Old Testament is over and over again, we broke it. We failed to follow through in, in the covenant that was made between us. We were not faithful to it. And God was within his rights. He could have literally said to us, to hell with you. I mean, he could have. It, it would have been legitimate. But he didn't. God had committed to his relationship with us. And through the redemption won for us on the cross by Jesus Christ, God forgave us. God continues to forgive. And commitment is an absolute necessity for a biblical, for a biblical covenant. This decision to stay in the relationship for the sake of the other, regardless of their actions or regardless of my feelings. Only in times of physical harm should this be called into question. That doesn't mean that there weren't consequences in biblical times for sins in the midst of a covenant in which people suffered and, and, and did things that were wrong. In fact, the picture we see in the Old Testament is when God's people continued to sin. In the promised land, living there for, for centuries, God allowed the Babylonians to come and conquer them, to destroy Jerusalem and to send them off into exile in Babylon. And yet in the midst of the consequences of their sins, God did not give up on them. God did not say, to hell with you, I'm done with you, I'm leaving, and you'll never hear from me again. He never did. God never ultimately rejects his people. You know, in, in the Old Testament, early on, the Bible said the only grounds for divorce was adultery. But by the time of Jesus, the Jews had watered it down so much that they could that, that a man, not a woman, unfortunately, but a man could justify just about any reason. If he just got tired of looking at his wife, he could say, I give her a note of divorce, and it was over. Yet Jesus said, God allowed divorce only because of people's hard hearts. And in fact, it's very interesting. The Bible shows us that when God's people pursued, in the midst of their covenant with God, when they pursued other gods, other beliefs, God saw this as adultery against him. And, and while there were consequences for that betrayal, God never gave up on those who betrayed him, those who had committed adultery against him in faith. Even today, we see marriages that have survived adultery and are thriving today. Not, not 
by just, you know, ignoring it or like it didn't happen or it's no big deal, but, but where both persons worked through it and there was genuine repentance and there was real forgiveness. And that doesn't always happen. I'm not, I'm not naive about that. But I am saying when those things occur, and there are marriages in this room today that prove it, people can get through that. Any relationship that's going to survive and thrive requires lots of forgiveness. What covenant says about any significant relationship, including marriage, is, is that there is this commitment to the other person, that it's not ultimately about me, but it is about them. And, and Jesus summed it all up in what he called the great commandment. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And here's the thing. As we love God more and more, as we worship him, as we praise him, as we trust him, he enables us to love others more and more. The word for love that is found in that passage and often in the New Testament is the Greek word agape in the original language. And in, in the simplest form, it means unconditional. It is choosing to accept someone for who they are and sacrificially working for their good. And, and the thing about this love is it's not in our power to do it well, to do it often, to, to do it consistently. It's only possible when God's love is flowing in us and through us, enabling us to do that for someone else. One of the great chapters in the Bible is 1 Corinthians 13, where the Apostle Paul spells out this, this kind of love. He gives us a picture of it. Of what does it mean? Where does the rubber meet the road in this? How do we actually live this way? And it, many of you know it, it may very well have been read at your wedding. It goes like this, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. It is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrong, but rejoices in the right. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Or some translations say never fails. Now notice, it does not say love should be patient, should be kind. It says love is. That's the picture of it. And, and I'll be honest with you, for years, decades, I read this passage at weddings, at so many weddings, and I thought, oh, it's such a beautiful passage. It's so poetic. It's so in encouraging. You know, it's one of those things where you go to the, to the bookstore and you find it in a frame and you want to hang it up and just look at it. And it may be nice to look at, but it is, it is about the hardest thing to do to live it. In fact, one day God opened my eyes to, to what he was, was really saying here and nearly scared me to death. And in fact, I repented of my casual reading of his word here because he was laying out an impossible standard. I mean, it really is. If you stop and you think about it, as soon as I say love is patient, the third word, I'm in trouble. And it doesn't stop there because then it says, and kind. Now, I'm not saying I'm not patient some of the time. I'm not saying I'm never kind. 
But it doesn't say love is usually patient or should be kind. It says love is. That's the way it is. That's how it is lived out. And as I read through that passage, it only gets worse and worse. I mean, honestly, this is impossible. We can't do this. This this is beyond human capacity to do on any kind of a consistent basis. The only way this kind of agape love can occur in any kind of consistent way in our lives is when God is in it, when he is in us and works in us and through us, when, when we are loving God with all of our being so that his love enters into us through his son Jesus Christ to empower us to love then those around us unconditionally. To recognize what he has done for me and therefore do it for others. To draw strength from him that I can have the strength to do it for others. It's sort of like using batteries versus being plugged into an electrical outlet. On my own, I can love someone for a while. I can overlook some things for a little while. I can be, I can be patient for a few minutes. I can be kind every once in a while, you know. But after a while, my battery starts running down. I start, why aren't they giving back? Why aren't they treating me the same way? And, and, and I start getting a little tired of it. And after a while, I start saying, you know, the, the heck with this. I'm just burned out. I can't keep on keeping on. Especially when it's hard. Especially when it is unrewarding. When it is unfulfilling. It may be in a marriage. It may be in a, in a family setting. It may be in a work setting. But when I am plugged into the source of love, the Bible says God is love. When I'm seeking God with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, when I'm spending time with him every day as a reminder to me of who he says I am and and what he can do in my life, when I am worshiping him with other believers weekly, and I don't let it just slip by every once in a while, but it's something I am committed to because I am committed to the relationship I have the power then to love others more and more of the time, more and more the way he loves me. So it's only when I've committed my life to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and he lives in me through his spirit that I can then love at all in any kind of consistent way, the way Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 13. You know, a a marriage that doesn't have God at the center and reads 1 Corinthians 13 like it's going to magically happen is going to be sorely disappointed. And yet, this is the way God loves me and you. He chooses to love me, even when I sin, when I fail him, when I don't come through, when I talk a good game and I don't live it. He loves me unconditionally. This is the picture of a covenant where God is is in the middle of it and he calls us to this kind of commitment in our marriages, in our significant relationships. He doesn't want them to be casual. He calls us to love our neighbors. If we are loving our neighbors, that's 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 a picture of covenant where God is in the middle of it. And when, when the relationship isn't all about me, when it's about how I can show my love, my commitment to the other, then I don't get so hung up when I'm not receiving love back in the same degree, when I'm not getting what I'm giving. Sometimes we feel that way, don't we? And we think, well, I'm not going to do it anymore if they're not going to do, if they're not going to show it back to me. But the truth of the matter is marriage, and, and in fact, any relationship is almost never 50-50. 
Sometimes it's 60-40. Other times it's 30-70. Sometimes it's 80-20. Sometimes it's 10-90 or even 5-95. But Jesus showed us in the great commandment, it's not about me, but it's about the other. Uh, and, And the only way I can do that is through God. But as he lives and works in me, I don't have to come out even. It's not about whether or not it's working just from my, my side of it. I'm here for the sake of the other, just as God is here for me. For it will never be even in terms of his love toward me toward, uh, versus my love toward him. I, 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 there's no way I can love him as much as he loves me. And, and in fact, before this day is over with, it's already happened, it'll happen again, I'm going to fail him. But he never fails me. And he never fails you. As Robert Sherrill reminded us a couple of weeks ago, the Bible tells us that, in fact, marriage is more than just two people coming together for their own mutual fulfillment. Like it's just about us. In Ephesians 5, he read, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. Paul says, tells us here that marriage is a profound mystery. Now, some of you say, well, yeah, I agree. My marriage is kind of a mystery too. You know, it may feel that way sometimes. But, but what Paul is doing here is giving us an earthly picture, a metaphor, if you will, of Christ and his, his bride, the church, us. There, there's this picture of a relationship where we, the church, fail. We fail God. We fail each other. But he never gives up on us to the extent that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. The Bible says, now, surely someone might die for a good person, but surely they would not die for, for that. Who would die for someone who thumbed their nose at them, who hated them? And yet that's the picture of what Christ has done for us. And let me tell you, there's nothing fair about it at all. There's no way that you or I can ever repay all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And that's the picture he calls us to represent in our marriages. Where it's not about me, but it's about the other. When marriages and relationships are built on this kind of love, this decision to accept someone for who they are and to sacrificially work for their good, we experience then what God planned and desired for us, and it becomes a testimony, if you will, to God's plan for his world, that that he is doing something impossible, that what he has done for us is represented in the marriage. But the marriage is an imperfect representation of it. The goal is to let God so fill us up that that we're not ultimately dependent on anyone else, on another person for our fulfillment. In fact, this is really important, and if you're you're single or if you're a student, I, I want you to hear this this morning. No other person can complete you. Now, hear that. Because the culture around you says, you know, what is that, one of those cartoons? You complete me. You know that cartoon? I don't remember which one it is now. I've gone blank. 
Which? Ice Age. You may have the best marriage in the world, but I guarantee you, your husband or your wife cannot complete you. And, and if we are going into a marriage or any relationship, you know, I hear people sometimes say, well, we're going to have a kid, so everything will be fine. Like somehow a kid will make everything good. Yeah, there you go. That's a good laugh. That just makes it harder, doesn't it? We have this mixed up romantic idea that's sold to us by the culture. And, and people will rush into a, a relationship or a marriage because they're trying to fill a hole inside and the culture says well, it's, it's just because you're not married to the right person. You haven't found the right one yet. Or we're in a marriage and we're feeling that. And we're thinking, oh, I married the wrong one. We're doing it all wrong. We're focusing in on ourselves like it's a contract. It's like, what will fix me? And as long as we're focused on that, we will find more and more that won't fix me. As long as I keep turned inward, if it's all about me, I can keep staring and staring, and I can find all kinds of problems. There is a danger of, of marriage in any relationship when one person places their need for fulfillment and significance on another person of never being able to perfectly fulfill that. Guys, there is no such thing as a perfect marriage because it is the joining of two imperfect people, of two sinners, and two imperfects can never add up to perfection. We get caught up in our pride and what should be and what we want and what we bought into from a culture around us and we forget that Jesus didn't get what he deserved from us. But he never gave up on us. He didn't say, well, you didn't, you didn't follow through with your commitment to me, so I'm out of here. People get hurt. They complain they're not getting what they bargained for. I, they're not feeling it anymore. But that wasn't the point of God's plan or design. If, if marriage is a picture of what Christ has done with his church, it's clearly not that. It's never that we always will feel it. Satan loves for you and me to buy into this contract picture of relationships and marriage. And, and when we do, we have entered into this idea of a contract where it's, it's about me. And, and until my needs are met, until what I want is fulfilled, it's not sufficient. But no person can do that. No one except God. But there are people who will come around you, especially if, if your marriage is struggling, and they'll come around you and they will tell you, see, I knew that wasn't the right person for you. Or I knew it wasn't going to work for you. Or you need to go and fulfill yourself. You need to get out, get out of that as quick as you can and go, and go take care of yourself. Our world is calling us into this consumer, endless swan dive, which will never be enough because we're imperfect we're sinners there will be real trials in any marriage and there will be times when one or both persons are going to want to give up because that would be the easy thing to do some of you know that 
And ultimately, one person can't keep a marriage together. Yet I've been amazed through the years at how many couples I have met who've been married 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 65 years. And they will tell me again and again when I ask that their marriage almost blew up more than once. It, it, it didn't all go smooth. That couple that's been married 50 years or 60 years, it wasn't all a bed of roses that, that there were never any problems, but their sense of covenant of marriage with God at the center of it pushed them to stay in it, to seek to change their hearts toward the other person, to forgive, to seek forgiveness, and through that they made it. And here's the thing, guys. Our good news is that it is never too late to convert a marriage contract to a marriage covenant. Even today, you can decide. You can invite God into your marriage. You can put him at the center. You can focus on growing in him and letting his love flow through you to the other to become the driving force in your life that frees you to love so that your marriage can be healed. It can be transformed. You can do this even if the other person at first is not even willing to. If your spouse or your friend or your family member, whoever it may be, even if they're not doing the same thing. We have seen that agape love has the power to transform another. In fact, that's what brought any of us to Jesus Christ, is that we experienced that love and it drew us to change our lives through him. Sometimes marriages struggle because of mistakes or, or bad decisions that one or both persons make. But sometimes it's because of outside circumstances that, that start to feel overwhelming, health and, and job circumstances, whatever it may be. Sometimes it's simply because two people stopped working at their relationship and they just drifted apart. And yet the good news is that God can restore and heal all of these circumstances. And we have people in our church who overcome each of these kinds of sets of, of situations in their marriages, in their relationships, and they're still together. And in fact, they will tell you doing better than ever. At the end of our service, our prayer team is going to be here on the far sides, and, and they would love to pray with you if, if that's what you need today to open your heart up. We're, we're offering the, we, what we call in the, in the insert, you, me, we lived out uh, on the first Sundays of June, July, and August, a marriage class in the 930 hour, uh, practical how-tos. You can go onto the Find It page of our website and sign up, or after the service, go out to the Next Steps area and sign up to get that. And then just this morning, as I'm driving to church, listening to KSBJ, they announced that a ministry called Family Life is offering what they call a weekend to remember, a, a, a couple retreat for a weekend in a hotel. They're doing two different weekends here in the Houston area in mid-June. And we've put a link on our Find It page so if you're interested in doing that, if your marriage is not where you want it to be, if you're looking to recharge or revive, if you want to turn a contract into a covenant, it's a great opportunity to do that. And, and here's the thing in all of this. If your concern is for the other, it's not about me, then you will set aside pride and do whatever it takes to live out that commitment you made to another person. No matter what's been going on in your marriage or in your relationship, through a, a 
of relationship with Jesus Christ, you can find hope again because God continues to renew his covenant with you. Every day as you and I sin, he continues to renew it because he is committed to you. And he calls you and me to live that same way for him and for others. He promised, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And I want to tell you, with God, never, never really means never. It doesn't mean most of the time. It doesn't mean in most cases, but not mine. It means never. A young couple in our church, you see Brandon up here every week, Brandon and Jenny Dietz, discover the truth of this in their own lives. Watch. Happy Okay, so uh, in 2013, we went away to um, College Station, and um, we worked in a home uh, that was for girls who had been rescued from human trafficking. We were house parents. In that time, uh, we discovered that I was pregnant. We came home and told family. We were very excited. It was gonna be the first grandchild. And um, we fit in a doctor visit, and um, they kind of said some things that were, in hindsight, curious for me, um, but I didn't know at the moment because I had no base for comparison. And in the span of about three days from, from that initial, um, three or four days from that initial visit, um, it, the conversations with my doctor transitioned from if you miscarry to when you miscarry. I had to have a surgery um, to, to to remove the baby, and um, I don't think I could have really anticipated the uh, the level of depression that I was sinking into, um, with all the stress from the ranch, and and just again the stress from what we were doing, and now the stress of of a loss of a loss of life, um, and I pulled away a lot. I I pulled away a lot um, from everything. And I basically told Brandon that I thought it would be a good idea if we separated, if we, um, it made, in my head at that time, it was such a logical decision of let's cut our losses. This isn't working. I don't really feel anything anymore. Um, I don't feel really anything positive or negative. I'm just walking around like a shell. And um, I remember Brandon at that time really, really surprised that I was um, saying those those words. And I think in some ways I was, but I was so disconnected from it. He ended up asking me a question at that point. 
um, when I told him all of that, it was, what do you enjoy? What do you like? And I didn't really have an answer. And, and it seemed like such a relatively short period of time, but it was such a grenade in our laps that caused this kind of destruction in our marriage. And so, you know, that night there wasn't any resolve at all. I remember laying on the couch thinking about just the, all of the stuff swirling through my head. And I remember times when I felt like I didn't love God. I remember when, um, I mean, because of the miscarriage, I remember laying in the bed up at the, at the ranch and thinking, God, you brought us out here, and look at what happened, I'm done. And I felt like just continually in my life, God has been patient. The way that he loves is he's there. He doesn't push himself on us. Um, he extends grace. He allows us to be real and to be emotional, and um, he pursues us. And I thought, you know, maybe those things that I understand about God's love are the things that I need to apply in this moment. Maybe there's hope. That's the only hope I have. I mean, I could have walked away and it would have been devastating for both of us. Um, who knows where we'd be, or, but um, instead there was this decision, it was a conscious decision to figure out and remember the ways that God has loved me and then pursue her in that way. I'm grateful that as dense as I can be, that, that, that God came through in that moment, that there was this something that, that I could grab onto, that I could anchor myself to, and that, man, you know, when I was on the couch thinking about, is this going to work? And I didn't have 100% faith. I just thought, I'm going to try it. And, you know, here we are, almost 12 years married with two kids, and... <laughs> Um, you know, since then, having gone through hard stuff, having kids is hard. And, you know, but thinking like, we've been through that. We've been to the brink of divorce. We've been through the, I don't know if I love you anymore. We've been through the, I'm so hurt. I just want to leave everything. And through that patience and through knowing that, that, that God is bigger and that, um, that Satan wants to throw his weapons of mass distraction at us, that he wants to pull us out of that. I don't know. That's, that's kind of... That's how we made it through that, what felt like a battle in the greater war. So, yeah. it's our story. <laughs> Praise God. You know, I, th I think our, our battles all look different. Um, they're in different locations, different things happen. But to use that analogy, I think we're all in the same war. We have the same common enemy. The, Satan tries to get in and distract us and pull us away and tempt us with things. And uh, those are lies, and we have to remember those lies. Um, we have a song for you that's called Won't Give Up. We played it for a friend's wedding. He's Isaac is a bassist here. And um, I thought, what a beautiful thing, that they're starting off their marriage with this proclamation of no matter what happens, I'm not going to give up. Um, this is a testimony of not giving up. And um, I believe that, that there are some people out there who maybe feel like giving up, who um, maybe have some fight left in them by the grace of God. So we hope this leads you to do that. Can tell if I turned it on. Here we go.
Watching the night skies Or a beautiful sunrise There's so much they hold Just like them old stars I see that you've come so far To be right where you are How old is your soul? I won't give up on us Even if the skies get I'm giving you all my love I'm still looking up And when you're needing your space To do some navigating I'll be here patiently waiting To see what you find Our God will never give up on you. I know it can feel that way sometimes. It can feel like everything has fallen apart. Every single one of us has probably felt that at some point. That's why we talk about faith. Faith only makes sense 
when it stands in the gap, when our feelings go one way and God's word tells us something else. This morning, our prayer team will be up here on the far corners. If you need somebody to pray over you, because that right now is hard, or pray over your marriage, or pray over a relationship, they would, they'd love to do that. Next Sunday, we're going to celebrate Mother's Day. Another relationship sometimes, sometimes wonderful, sometimes fraught with, well, you know. But I hope you'll join us, join us for that. Um, we're going to be offering communion here in just about three or four minutes after the close of the service. Uh, invite you, if you wish to participate in communion, to come and sit down on the floor area. If you have children, please go pick them up first from Gateway Kids and then bring them back with you to be a part of that. I'll be out in the, the lobby area in our First Steps area. If you're new today, we'd love to say hello to you and welcome you here this morning. Would you join me as we close in prayer? Holy God, there's not a one of us that deserves the way you have been so gracious to us, the covenant you have made that you will be our God and we would be your people. So often we, we in our minds, we have turned it into a contract and it's how good we are. But you said we can never be good enough, but by the grace of God through Jesus Christ, he is enough. That grace is also needs to work in our marriages and in our relationships. Help us, Father, to not live out contracts where it's about us, but let us be so infused with your love that it becomes a covenant, that we care for those around us. It's not about 50-50. It's not about getting my own share. It's about love. You have an infinite supply. May we draw on that. May we draw that in by spending time with you so that we can give that to those around us to change this world, to change our friends, to change our marriages. We ask this, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.